0: On today's Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, we're previewing UFC San Diego. San Diego. Which, of course, in German means a whale's vagina. As well as Bellator 284 and, of course, PFL Playoffs Week 2, we're recapping... Dana White's contender series week three. And we got some tidbits as well as some fight announcements and all this and more. And it all starts right now. Happy two year anniversary everyone. That's right, it's not just me and Dom's two year anniversary, it's our two year anniversary. The Below Average Joes, thank you all for letting us be a part of your life Year two, Dom. I mean, we're ending year two. We're on the year, fiscal year three.
1: That's right. (laughs) That's what we
0: call it. Um, (laughs) Man, it just, it feels good to just say that, you know? It does. I don't want to take a lot of time to like pat ourselves on the back or anything. I don't want you guys listening or watching to feel like you have to congratulate us on on this. But, you know, this is something that me and Dom, we, we joke, we have fun. You know, we may downplay the importance of this show for us, but at the end of the day, we love doing this. Mm-hmm. And it just means a lot. The growth we've seen over the last year, the new faces that have popped in, some that have even stuck around. We appreciate you. And yeah, enough of the, the you know, the... the, the I can't the, think of a word. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I short-circuited there, yeah, I think. I <laughs> but um, anyways mm-hmm. look I'm not the i'm i can get a bit sappy we'll talk about that with uh, dana white's contender series later but <laughs> typically out of the two of us I think dom is the one that gets a little more sentimental yeah he gets a little more you know if you guys saw our instagram post today I think you could clearly tell that was typed by dom <laughs> and not me but right Sleedy, the man to my right the man who's got a big old party this weekend to celebrate his big achievement of becoming a master. Yes. How are you feeling, Dom? How much food do you plan to eat? And the big question on everybody's mind, will MMA be watched during the festivities on Saturday? Oh, I mean, do bear shit
1: in the woods. Come on, Noah. This (laughs) is, it's such a perfect, just everything, right? The two years as we're recording today on Wednesday. We've got the graduation party on Saturday. Noah is going to be in my presence for the first time since UFC Columbus in March. It's it's middle of August already, mm-hmm. so it's been a long time. We're going to be reunited, the Joes, together. It's going to be a blast. No, the food I plan on eating, let's just say in the pool you traditionally float, I'm going to eat enough to where I sink straight to the bottom. That's the plan <laughs> Um, All the bros are going to be there, the fights, PFL at 2 o'clock. Well, really, they start before that, but the main card, you get the gist right at 2 o'clock, straight into 4 o'clock, UFC, San Diego. It is going to be an amazing day, and I'm so excited to see you know. I'm so excited to see our friends, to all be together with each other. It's going to be great. I'm so excited. Are you excited to be back at home, of course, with your family, but see the friends as well? Uh, No, not at all. That's what I think. Nah, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Of course, I'm
0: excited. I not only get to celebrate you, but I get to see everybody who I uh, – some people I probably haven't seen in like yeah, four or true. five years. I mean, it's going to be pretty nuts to see a lot of faces I have not seen in a long time. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of people in high school – I bet a lot of people would have tabbed me as the guy that they could just not get rid of after high school. <laughs> like they would have been like the guy that's just always there in Carlisle. And uh, that's really not been me. I mean, kind of, I kind of just never came back. So, yeah, yeah. Um, literally, won the superlative for most school pride, and then I just said, fuck this city. I'm out of here. <laughs> um, but no, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I do have to ask you though. You mentioned a little point about eating so much food, you would sink to the bottom of the pool, Dom. Do you subscribe to the belief when I was a kid? Whenever I would be at these little pool parties or. Uh, I think my aunt and uncle, uh, for a time, had an in-ground pool. Um, My other aunt and uncle had an above-ground pool. Like, I've had some pools in my life, right?
1: Yeah. One of our
0: good buddies, grandparents, used to live... Well, actually, the neighborhood you live in now, they had a pool that I used to go to a lot. And I remember when I was real young, it was always stressed. If you eat, you stay out of the pool for 30 minutes. Because (laughs) if you get in there, you're going to have a fucking cramp. Yeah. So, Dominic, do you subscribe to his belief? Have you witnessed or seen anyone who has failed to do this end up with a nasty, nasty cramp?
1: I have not seen it, nor do I practice it. Because, really, mm. it goes back to the street tacos just a couple weeks ago. I downed seven. Me and my uncle having a street taco competition. We both tied at seven apiece. Within ten, ten minutes, we were in the pool playing some games of basketball. We did not wait at all.
0: Do I regret it? No. Would I do it again? Absolutely. And you I'm probably going to do it this weekend. Yeah, see, Dominic likes to dance with the devil. <laughs> and uh, with that, uh, we're going to transition into the weekend's action. Yes. But first, we want to remind everyone, Yeah. if you guys would like, you know, it's the two-year anniversary, so we are gifting to you, the audience, an yeah. opportunity from Points Bet Sportsbook, who is now the official betting partner of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. If you sign up today, today. Or anytime in the future, or that, for the foreseeable future, also true, you will have your initial deposit 100% matched up to $2,000. And there is only one of two things you have to do to get it. You can either go to the link in the description of today's episode, or in the epi- well description of the Spotify, YouTube, right. wherever you're watching, or you can download the PointsBet Sportsbook app. Yes. At sign up, there will be uh, a code that you have to give, and you will put in code MMAJoes at sign up, yes. and therefore you will get that offer validated uh just want to remind everyone if you do the link the code will already be in there so there's no code you have to put in and uh yeah happy betting thank you points bet sportsbook that's a nice little gift for us for them to come to us with this opportunity before the two-year anniversary and now we want to reward everyone who's stuck with us for staying with us Absolutely. and uh dominic i guess well today's odds for the ufc of bellator i forgot to mention this those odds are brought to you by Points Bet Sportsbook. So yes. let's see them, Dom. Let's see the odds for UFC Santiago.
1: Santiago. Which, of course, in German means a whale's vagina.
0: In our headlining <laughs> bout, Marlon Chito Vera looks to continue his winning ways as he takes on perhaps the best fighter to ever. Stand at 135 pounds inside of the UFC. Dominic Cruz, back to his winning ways, back-to-back wins over Pedro Munoz and Casey Kinney, where before that he had lost back-to-back title fights to Cody Garbrandt and, of course, Henry Cejudo. Yep. Two guys on winning streaks. But, Dominic, the story seems to be, as you look at the odds, Vera minus 230, Cruz plus 185. It seems to feel like this is somewhat of a setup matchup for Marlon Barra to get that showcase, to get that name on his resume that really sticks out, a legend like Dominic Cruz. Do you subscribe to this sort of belief that it feels like Marlon Barra should be this favorite in the matchup? Or has Dominic Cruz done enough over his last couple of fights to show you there's a lot of fight left in that dog?
1: Yeah, I have to go with the latter simply because we've had this discussion already, right, about the Mm -hmm. disrespect that seems to go Dominic Cruz's way. We don't really understand why that is. I mean, this guy is legitimately one of the best talents we've ever seen in the UFC, in MMA in general, especially for these lower weight classes. So while I'm not surprised Marlon's the favorite, minus 230, that's quite steep. Actually, when you look at these odds, I believe 10 out of the 13 fights on this card Uh, hold favorites of more than two to one, which is pretty crazy. So yeah, it's a very, yeah, that'll be fun to bet on. But um, so I love this main event. I really do. I think it's going to be super technical, super back and forth. I think it is very even. So I am a bit perplexed that the odds have swayed. I mean, that's relatively large there. Dominic Cruz definitely does not see that too often when he gets in the cage. So I just, you know, really, when you look at it as a stand up fight, which you would assume it is going to be for 25 minutes or as long as it goes, Marlon, power advantage. Dominic Cruz, though, no one's ever moved like him around that octagon, man. And that's what makes him so different, so elusive. Marlon's going to have to be patient. He's going to have to hit uh, powerfully when he lands. He's going to have to be technical and precise. But if he does those things, this could be his fourth straight win, the biggest win of his career. He's right there Noah, amongst those title contenders. And Dominic Cruz, much the same. He's won two in a row, but if he can get past Vera, he puts himself right back in there where he wants to be long for so many years. I love everything about this main event.
0: Yeah, it's a great main event for San Santiago. San Diego. Which, of course, in German means a whale's vagina. Anyways, <laughs> um, what I love about this main event is I really think we're in, and I guess in some ways, some would look at this as being a bad thing. I think we're in for um not a more of a marathon than yeah. like a sprint here. Um I think we got two guys that are going to be able and willing and prepared to go to full 25 minutes. And I think we may just get that Dominic because Marlon Vera over his win streak, he's looked phenomenal, but also he's been a bit of a slow starter. That's kind of been his thing. He sort of takes a round or so to get down the timing of his opponent, figure out the game plan of his opponent. And then, he really goes in for the kill, goes for that attack. Uh, you look at the Rob Font fight that he's coming off of. He, that was the, I believe it was either the those, I think it was the second biggest strike differential. Yeah. For, okay, I don't know how to word it, but uh, essentially Marlon Vera beat Rob Font, and Rob Font had served, basically doubled him in strikes.
1: Yeah. But you
0: walk away from that main event, nobody Thought Rob Font won that fight. You look at the damage. Yep. That was the whole thing: damage versus output. Marlon Vera may has never really been the highest output fighter, but he gets to the point, which is yeah. why I think a lot of people like him. He's not necessarily like he's kind of coming at you with malintent, not mm-hmm. reckless abandon. He's very calculated in his attack. But he's landing with some oomph behind it. He's not just hitting you with some love taps. He's really going for it when he's coming towards you. And I think you've seen that work well for him and on this win streak. I mean, the the Frankie Edgar knockouts fucking Dude. brutal. Yeah, I mean that was a fight. Frankie Edgar was arguably winning up to that point. Yeah. So Marlon Vera a bit of a slow starter. He does take his time to really, like I said, read his opponents. But, Dominic, he's going up against the hardest puzzle to solve in this division, Dominic Cruz. Yep. Dominic Cruz. This is Dominic Cruz 101. He uses amazing footwork, amazing movement. He sticks you with the jab. He's got very awkward, herky-jerky-type striking style. And he's a complete puzzle that hardly anybody's ever been able to solve. Really, Cody Garbrandt was the lone guy who really solved that puzzle of you. You know, I know Henry Cejudo got the win, but, you know, like a quicker finish, you know. Right. Cody Garbrandt's really the only guy who's been able to crack that code.
1: Yeah.
0: And for here, Dominic Cruz, I, I, everybody, he's like 36 now, and everybody thinks he's just done. You know, he's had all these injuries, all these years off. If anything, I think it could actually be to his benefit. I mean, fight year-wise, he's not... Yeah, he's not 36. I mean, he's had so many years out of the cage. And yes, I know serious injuries, ACL tears, getting that. uh, I forget what the what do they call when they put like the his leg like rejected the 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 fake tendon or whatever it was. And all of a sudden he's out another year. I mean, it's that does build up. And don't get me wrong, like that does make him somewhat maybe not at his prime anymore. But i don't think that the age of 36 is going to hold him back one bit and even if you look at the performances pedro munoz is a great fighter and he did give dominic cruz some some issues but dominic cruz clearly won that fight casey kenny the guy on the rise close fight but a clear win for dominic cruz um i just don't really see why he's being killed so much in this fight if you think marlon bear is going to win i mean i I don't know how honestly I I may not disagree with you, but it's I think at these odds it's just it feels disrespectful to Dominic Cruz because he's not shown a step back in my assessment. Yep. and yet everyone else, Dom, that does this, that does a podcast or, or is talking about MMA, I feel like everyone just accepts that as like it's a fact that he has lost a step. And I completely disagree. Do you feel like maybe Dominic Cruz, over these last couple ones has he shown maybe some slowing down compared to where he was pre-Cody Garbrandt fight? Or do you think we still have that kind of champion-level fighter capable of coming out here?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Real quickly, to your point on the fight years for Dominic Cruz, debuted into the UFC in 2011 when they kind of bought out. Uh, WEC and those guys. So this is his 11th year in the company. No, it's going to be his 10th fight in the UFC in 11 years. It's a shame. It really is a shame what Dominic Cruz could have been throughout all those injuries. But I digress. When you look at that question that Noah asked and what we see from Dominic Cruz now, has he regressed? If anything, I feel like it's more of, okay, nowadays, while he still has that elusive slick movement, he gets hit a little bit more, right? He takes a couple more shots than he Mm -hmm. used to. But dare I say, Noah... He's putting out more output than what we're used to. He's being super active and coming forward in all these fights. So, really, it's almost like a balancing act for Dominic Cruz. So, I can't really necessarily, I mean, obviously, he's not the guy he once was, but to be 36, he's still an absolute elite fighter in this 135 pound division. So, regression, mm, I think it's more so. Yeah, he takes a couple more shots. But he's also giving a lot more shots than what we're used to from back in the day. And that's a thing with Marlon Vera. Like, It's not like he can't be hit. When you look at that fight with Rafa, he was getting hit. But Dominic Cruz has never been the one to have a lot of power either. So is it going to be kind of the same narrative? Is Dominic Cruz going to pepper up Vera? But Vera just lands the harder shots to get the job done? That, I think, is the question. And would love to get your thoughts on that in terms of how this could potentially play out on Saturday.
0: Yeah, you beat me to it. That's exactly how I think this fight goes. I don't know who's going to win. I really don't. I'm tempted to put some money on Dominic Cruz just because (laughs) I really view this fight as being a lot closer than these odds tell you. I think Marlon Vera should be favored. I think he's looked so good, the kind of competition he's been beating. um, It speaks for itself. Dominic Cruz did have a very long layoff, has looked good on the two fights since then, but Casey Kenney, Pedro Munoz... I mean, I think Marlon Vera's win over Rob Font beats both of those in the way it did. And you could even argue maybe the Frankie Edgar win is at least... I mean, Frankie Edgar has a win over Pedro Munoz, technically. So, you know, it feels like Marlon Vera's been tested a little bit more in the last, what, two years or so? Yeah, yeah. But um, to what you're saying about... Sorry what what was the what was the the question you were throwing? Uh, to how me?
1: this fight could play out? Is it going to be yes. similar to a Rob Font Marlon Vera? You know? Yes, <laughs> and,
0: and I I definitely think that's what we're for. I would almost I would predict, and I don't like to do predictions on this show, but I would predict that Dominic Cruz will outstrike in terms of total strikes mm-hmm. Marlon Vera.
1: Should it go but, first five rounds? Yep. <clears throat> Yes,
0: and I do think it will. I think this yep. is going to distance. I really do. Yeah. But I think you would likely see an out striking on the, uh, I think, in term in favor of Cruz. The question is, can Cruz avoid those hammer shots yep. that Barrett can throw, those kill shots? You saw Munoz hurt yep. Cruz in their fight. And like you, that was to your point. He does get hit a little bit more in this kind of new version of Dominic Cruz. But he's also throwing more. But I don't really see him having the power to really hurt Marlon Vera. Mm-hmm. But it may not matter if he can avoid those big shots and simply win by outpointing his fighter. That's something that he has been a master of yes. in his career. And that's not a knock on him at all. He's the best in the world at it. I mean, that's. Yeah. And until Marlon Vera comes in here and beats him at that game, like Cody Garbrandt did once before. I'm still gonna say Dominic Cruz is the best in the world at it. yeah, I absolutely agree. I love that. We got more on this card to come, but we're gonna move on to Bellator two eighty four coming to you from So Falls, South Dakota, the Sanford Pentagon. Dominic, how's that feel that that you you have pleaded to the UFC to Bellator to the PFL to lFA to Cage Fury, everybody. You said, hey, one. what? You, come on over yeah, to yeah. Ohio. And we're going to get two cards in the next two months with decent MMA promotions in South Dakota. I mean, what, what is going on here?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty crazy, man.
0: Bellator does tend
1: to go to, I guess, wacky quote-unquote locations. Uh, so, yeah, you don't see many things happen out there at Bellator. Hey, maybe they got it going on with the farmers and whatnot. I don't know, but... We'll talk about this main event and what they're going to see over there.
0: Yeah, Bellator does love Uncasville, Connecticut. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Uh, but your main event, Neiman Gracie taking on Gochi Yamauchi. A very interesting main event, number five ranked Neiman Gracie, Yamauchi not even ranked, so kind of weird matchmaking here. But yeah. truthfully, Dom, I actually think this is a great fight the more I looked into it. When yes. I first kind of was, when I first kind of saw that this was the main event, I was like, uh, "Yeah, like I mean, obviously we'll make it a headliner on the show and whatnot." But in my head, I'm kind of thinking, "Man, it's kind of a weird main event to put together." But Neiman Gracie, as good as he can be, he's really kind of struggled against the top level competition at Bellator. Yeah. I mean, you look at his last five fights; he's two and three. Yeah. And the two wins were against John Fitch, who was completely at the end of the road for his career, and Mark Leminger, which was a good win, but you know, by, that was his lone TKO win of his career, which I think shows the advancements in his striking and mm-hmm. but the losses, the Logan Storley fight. Great fight. Ended up being that weird kind of fight where two guys that are so known for their forms yep. of grappling, jujitsu and wrestling, they end up having kind of like a kickboxing fight. And it was pretty entertaining. But Logan mm-hmm. Storley gets the win there. And then his other two losses of the last five, Jason Jackson and Rory McDonald. So it clearly, the best of the best at Bellator in this weight class have given him issues. Yep. And not that he's been like, for, I don't really remember. I, I don't remember clearly the Jackson or McDonald fights that much. But the Storley fight, it wasn't. I mean, it was a pretty decently close fight. But yep. it was one that pretty, I, I thought clearly Logan Storley won. While for Yamauchi, Dom, he's twenty seven and five. Twenty-one wins via submission. I mean. Yeah. And yeah. that's and that's where once again we, we have to face what could be two yep. guys, exceptional submission specialist, potentially having to cancel each other out and they have to get it done on the feet. And for Neiman Gracie, truthfully, I like what I've seen from him over the last couple of fights. But it's been against guys who aren't exactly you know, aren't exactly going to bring the world down with their striking. So for yeah. Yamauchi, I, I don't really know how he'll mesh in that kind of fight, but I'm excited to find out how you feel about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It could turn into what Logan Storley uh, and Gracie was. It really could here because of that submission. They know the dangers that each other present. Do they even want to go down there and risk it? In their respective realms, it could very much play out on the feet for what it's worth. Yamauchi, two knockouts, Gracie, one. So he technically has the advantage. No, I'm just kidding. But he's he's coming in with more momentum when you look at uh, Yamauchi. And kind of just, I mean, he's 13 and four in Bellator, only 29 years old. He's been in the company. Getting wins for a long time, maybe just not against the names, of course, that Gracie has been fighting, but the dude is getting a number five opponent for a reason, at least so I would assume. So I really think this could be fun. And for a guy that has been in Bellator, paid his dudes for a while, but clearly not ranked, this is his chance. He's won two in a row, both via first round finish, one sub, one knockout. If he beats Neiman Gracie here, at number five, and catapults himself into contention, I think that says a lot for now what will be the 18-fight veteran. A lot of pressure on Gracie here. Really could, you know, a loss here could take him out of that title picture, dare I say, for the remainder of his Bellator career. You never really know. He's only 33, but especially, like, with the wars that he's been in lately as well, this is a big-time fight for him. Not really much pressure on Yamauchi's side here, in my opinion.
0: See, when I when I kind of look at this fight... I guess for Yamauchi, you look at his resume, he's been in Bellator for a long time, but none of the competition is right. nearly what Neiman Gracie has fought. But, like I already said, Neiman Gracie's biggest opponents are the ones he's lost to. Yep. So that's why I feel like this fight becomes a lot more competitive. I think the odds kind of show that. Gracie under minus 200 at 185. Yamauchi at plus 146. Like, yeah, I clearly think Gracie deserves the respect for the resume, for taking on those kind of opponents. And he's looked pretty competitive in in most of his fights. While for Yamauchi, he's looked exceptional in Bellator. But he also hasn't fought the likes of Rory McDonald of right. You know, Logan Storley. Now you're interim champion, you know, stuff like that. So it's a big test for Yamauchi clearly. Mm-hmm. And they're really giving him a weird test because again, this might be the kind of fight where he really doesn't get to showcase the, the submission skills. Uh, he may have to get this done on the feet, but what a feat it could be Dom. If number 22 for his submission wins could be against a Gracie. I mean, is that blasphemous to even put out into the world right now?
1: I'm going to be honest with you, you know I'd be curious to see what a submission prop might even be for
0: Yamauchi. I'm just
1: saying, <laughs> guys. Could be fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. So more on Bellator 284 to come as well later. But we got to talk about the PFL playoffs. And, Dominic, this is actually coming to us Saturday afternoon. Because yeah. we're in Motor Point Arena in Cardiff, Wales. So How about they that? are – Again, PFL, with their playoffs, they're making that push into the UK. We know next year PFL Europe set the launch. Actually, John Morgan had an interview with the CEO of PFL. I believe it was released. I don't know if it was yesterday or today. I haven't had a chance to go through it yet. It wasn't, uh, from what I've seen, I haven't seen any video on it. It was like a a written word Mm -hmm. interview. Uh, So I haven't went through and read through it yet. So if there's anything noteworthy on that, We'll talk about it uh, come Monday, but I'm excited to see what the PFL has in store here that they, this is obviously kind of, you're going to see a lot of guys on these cards that are going to be a little more unfamiliar. These are guys that they're hoping to bring into their PFL Europe kind of space. So yep. it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of explain it on the broadcast. And cause there's a lot of questions still about what this means, what this could look like. And, I'll be curious to see if there's anything different in terms of the presentation. Will the commentating team be any different? Mm. Um, I think it's going to be – I'm very curious to see what it looks like. But, of course, Dominic, we're going to focus on those four playoff matchups. Um, What, I guess, is kind of sticking out to you going in here? You got Rory McDonald in your main event. He's taking on the undefeated Magomed Umala – I cannot get this guy's last name right – Um, Umalatov. Yes. Magomed Umalatov, who is undefeated, is an absolute hammer. I think he's got 10 wins via KOTKO out of his 12. Yeah. Um, But and Rory McDonald, you know, obviously has fought the much better competition. But coming off a very just deflating, disappointing loss to a man a little bit lower on the card, Sadabu Sai. Yeah, And he's going up against Carlos Leal, who has probably been the biggest surprise of this year, coming off of his dominating win over Ray Cooper third, who was the champion, of course, of this weight class a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we have the heavyweights as well on here. Matthias Scheffel coming off of his big um, upset over Bruno Yeah, Capeloza yep. was still supposed to be in the playoffs, but he had to pull out. And now Sheffel gets his chance here against Denis Goltsov. And then, of course, Ante D'Elia, who had an absolute war with Kapalosa at the at the championships last year. He's back in the saddle again. But taking on that behemoth, Henin Fajera, who it seems like is just all or nothing in the PFL. So, Dominic, actually, I dare I say... I think I just hyped myself up for this card even more than I already was. I feel like every matchup here has something to really sink your teeth into. What's sticking out to you?
1: Man, I've been going back and forth as you kind of entered this card because while I like every fight, and obviously it's a big deal, the winners get to the finals clearly at the end of the year, but I fear that in all four of these matchups, there's potential for a dull fight. (laughs) And that is what I'm very much so worried about. So honestly, rather than a specific fight, I'm just going to say in terms of a fighter, I'm looking out at Carlos Leal the most because his performance against Ray Cooper the third was outstanding, absolutely dominated that fight, pillar to post from round one to round three. He looked amazing. The fact that he almost got screwed out of being in the playoffs still angers me, but all is right in the world because he's getting a chance here. <laughs> um, and Sadabo Sai, man, he's good, but he doesn't do anything to overwhelm you or really surprise you. So I feel like Carlos, this is a huge test for him. Obviously, he's been on the Challenger Series. It's going to be his fourth fight this year. He's going to have to fight five times if he wants to win at all. But if he can just go out there and look like any bit like he did against Ray Cooper, I think he can really get the job done. So Carlos Gale is the fighter I'm looking forward to the most. If I had to pick a fight in terms of what I think could be the most exciting, it's got to be D'Elia uh, in Fajera, just because it's two heavy hitting guys, fifteen finishes for Ante, eight out of nine for him and Fajera, two behemoths, six eight versus six foot nine. I mean, these guys are going to be so big in that cage, man. So I think that could definitely be the best qual—well, quality is a strong word, but the most exciting fight. I'll put it that way because <laughs> I do think a finish could come there. But again, when I look at these matchups, I just I get that fear we could be in for a couple lackluster ones. I don't know how you think.
0: I see what you're seeing a little bit. Okay. Admittedly, the the card last week, while I enjoyed my experience watching it, some dull fights on there. There were. I mean, if you're yeah. looking at the playoffs, especially the um, Amariak-Madov-Josh yeah. Silvera fight, that fight just really made me angry because, mm-hmm. of course, I had an inside the distance prop in my... Uh, what would you call it, my um, Hail Mary parlay, mm-hmm. and it ends up being like the worst fight I've ever seen. So, you know, just terrible stuff all around there. But, and even OAM's win, like we've been big on OAM, so it was like in, like it was a surprise at how dominating he was over Alex Martinez. Not the most exciting fight. Really, mm-hmm. it was the opening bout between Rob Wilkinson and Delon Monte that kind of made yeah. it worth it. And then some of the other fights on the prelims and post limbs were kind of exciting too. Uh, here, I kind of feel the same way, Dom. Like, I almost feel like this is one of those cards that, even though you're coming for the PFL playoffs, like, these are the fights that are going to determine your championship. I think where you're going to get your bang for your buck on this ESPN Plus card, it might be on the prelims or post limbs uh, I don't know if there's post limbs for this card. There are, about, but, yep. yep. Okay, so they're doing the same thing. I think that might be where you get a lot of these diamonds in a rough, a lot of these showcase performances, these big standout finishes and whatnot. There's a potential for that on here. I mean Henny yeah. has the two fastest knockouts in PfL <laughs> history. Yeah. But then you look at his last fight and True. I mean he just got schooled when he yeah. came to the ground game. And I think it just showed that while he's an exceptional athlete and an absolute towering behemoth, his actual skills are Underdeveloped right now. TBD. Yeah, yeah. And Ante Delia is very polished. I think at this point. Yeah. Um, he may fight the smart fight and not try to get into a swing and bang mm-hmm. and just look to take it down. Uh, for me, the main event is actually the fight I'm most excited for. Um, I want to see how McDonald bounces back. Of course, I wanted to try to go with a different fight, you know, not due to main event, but truthfully i love rory mcdonald i root for him he's put on so many exciting fights and it's clear it's taken a toll on him yeah he never quite was able to reach that true ceiling that we thought he had but and really i mean we were talking about anthony pettis i mean there's a lot at stake here for rory mcdonald he is only i believe two and three in in his uh pfl career so a loss here makes him two and four so it's like Man, and then you look at Fabrizio Verdoom was another signing we haven't even seen. He retired. It only had 0 one or I don't even know if that that lost it Yeah, no contest. <laughs> yeah. So those signings just have really not worked out in terms of in you know, the actual I guess payoff in the cage right. or whatnot. But um I like this matchup with Magomed. <laughs> I'm good. Um, Molotov. There you go. I, I don't nice know why and I slow. Sh- I struggle with it. Um, Molotov he's filling in here as well. He was not originally in the playoff bracket, but I like what this guy could bring here to this fight. He's a wrecking ball on the feet. He's a bit unproven in terms of the actual talent he's fought, but 12-0, 10 knockouts. I want to see if he can really bring something out of Rory McDonald here. Can... The, the Red King return perhaps um and earn his spot into the final. Uh it's 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 interesting. Really all these fights have it's boomer bust all over yeah. this this playoff card, I think. So yeah. But still something I would highly recommend everyone turn it tune into. Prelim start at noon on Saturday. Um it should be good stuff. Absolutely so excited about PFL playoffs. Uh, Let's move on to a little bit of recap here, Dominic, for last night's Dana White Contender Series card. A lot of discussion about this one. Yeah. And I'm a little upset. I'm going to admit it. I'm I'm a little upset. Um, Are you going to ask me why I'm upset? Noah, why are you upset? Because I thought I was like the smartest guy in the world. I mean, I was ready to come on here, give my take on this Bo Nickel situation. I thought I was like the first person to think of it. And then I see that like a lot of people on Twitter are saying the same thing. Yeah. And then I watched the beginning of the MMA hour today. I didn't even watch the whole episode, just like the first half hour. An aerial almost word for word <laughs> says what I that huge
1: group chat. yeah yeah.
0: So now I almost feel like if I say it, it's just going to come off like I'm a swagger jacker, like I'm just right. stealing someone's style. Yeah. So I'm kind of annoyed. I think but, you should say it anyway. But, Dominic, before I give my piece, okay. I've got to throw it to you first because yeah, there's I mean, there, there's a lot to go over here. I mean, yeah. if you feel like, again, I feel like Bo Nickel's the obvious one here, and I think me and you are both going to have our thoughts on this. But as far as the whole card, Bo Nickel included, what was the biggest standout performance, fight, or just overall thing to happen on week three?
1: Yeah, so three contracts given out, right? We had Clayton Carpenter get one, Eric Silva, and Jamal Pogues. Obviously, the standout performance outside of Bo Nickel because he didn't get a contract, technically. Again, Noah will uh, go further into detail. Eric Silva came in and absolutely starched Boy Nanzarov, all right? (laughs) But Dana kind of had some takes after that fight. He didn't feel like Anvar was in the right weight class or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, but I don't remember... When the fight started, me that like having that thought run through my head. If anything, you want to talk about a weight discrepancy, it is the Jamal Pogues and Paolo uh, Hinato fight because Paulo should absolutely not be fighting in heavyweight. He should be fighting yeah. at 170 pounds. And Jamal, he shouldn't even be fighting in heavyweight. He it, should be at light heavyweight. They cracked
0: me up that that was Dana's reasoning. I'm like, wait can't. a minute, that's the fight you're talking about? I, I was like, remember. everybody on Twitter was saying. That these two guys didn't look like natural heavyweights, and yeah, I will say, and again, I'll let you finish your point. It was a weird card in terms yeah, of matchmaking. It was. Weird. I think. I think it was. I don't think this was Sean and Mick's finest outing here, and I think Dana was. I think. That I think was he his, showed that. I think that was what he was getting at. Was he felt like those yeah. two were uh, slacking a little bit on this one? But continue your point.
1: Um, You know, and none of that's a a spite on Eric Silva because he looked amazing. He came in, got the takedown, and absolutely dominated until he got the TKO a minute and 30 in. So Mm. he rightfully got the contract. Very excited to see what he can do. He's an exciting fighter with a ton of finishes. I guess for the other two contract winners, more so, I don't know, like the Clayton Carpenter contract kind of surprised me a little bit. Really? Yeah, like truthfully, I felt like when I watched the card in immediate aftermath before Dana came on the screen because I watched with my dad and I said, well, that was easy. There were two finishes. And to be honest, I think there's going to be two contracts, Bo Nickel and Eric Silva. Well, Mm -hmm. Bo technically didn't get one. And then Jamal Pogues and Clayton Carpenter also got a contract. So, again, both guys won decisively, but I just didn't feel like it was that. Again, you made this off recording, so I'm not trying to pull the words out of your mouth and take credit for it. But last week, it was so much prioritized. All the hype going into week two. You need to perform. You need to do this. You need to do that. Get the finishes. Nothing matters what happened before this yes, night. It's nothing matters there. It's, Yes, we don't look at your stats or nothing, or Dana. It matters what you do in front of me in the UFC Apex in Las Vegas on a Tuesday night. And to me, only two of those fighters did that, and it was Bo Nickel and Eric Silva. So it's not a spite on Clayton Carpenter and Jamal Pogues, and I know you're going to go more insightful on Jamal's side of things. (coughs) All power to them. They're in the UFC now, but is it going to be a mistake in hindsight to make these Mm -hmm. signings for them not to necessarily pan out at all in the UFC? Time will tell. I could be completely proven wrong, but the floor is yours.
0: I cannot disagree with you on the Jamal Pokes signing. If I look at it at just the fight itself, that was a pretty bad fight. And I respect Jamal Pokes for what Dana said. You know, he took the fight on short notice. He wasn't in his natural weight class. Um, But I don't – should that really matter? Like, again, you still have to perform, right? Like, I mean, I guess it should matter, but, again – I just don't think the performance was very good. I mean, it's it, he basically just jabbed the whole time. That was really all yeah. he did, while his opponent just threw nothing but low kicks. It was just a very weird fight. But the softy in me was won over by mm-hmm. Jamal Pogue's post-fight interview, which Dom missed. That's why he... Yes. I believe if you had seen it, you may have been affected as well. Um, I won't go into the detail of what he said exactly, because everybody saw it. It's just... Man, I couldn't help but feel happy for him when he got the contract. You could tell that I, like that really meant a lot to him. And I know it means a lot to everybody and everybody has a story and everyone has these things that they're going through. But man, just the way he articulated everything and the emotion he showed. Yeah. I couldn't help it. I, I, I rooted for him to get the contract. I was like, fuck it, just give him the contract, like please. <laughs> like I just I couldn't help it. Um But I recognize also that the performance didn't warrant that contract. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe bring him back for another week on the contender series where he can actually fight at two Oh five. Like that would have been, but you give him the bow nickel contract. Like, right. Yeah. (laughs) um, To me though, the thing that's the, and about Clayton Carpenter, I really enjoyed his fight with Edgar Chayrez. I think that was, the fight was good. Yes. It was a great fight. And I think why I liked Carpenter getting the contract was because I thought it was just a high level fight
1: Yeah. And like, I think Edgar
0: Chires, or I don't know if I'm saying that right, Chires, he looked exceptional in round one. That striking was
1: also another huge size discrepancy, by the way, in this fight, too. He looked massive, but this was
0: 125, Dom. Like, Clay Carpenter, (laughs) I don't think is a small flyweight. I just think Edgar, and I think it ultimately ultimately sort of bit him in the ass in rounds two and three. I think he had probably a tough weight cut here because he looked massive. Um, It was a back and forth fight. Both guys had their moments Um, Clayton Carpenter using a lot of wrestling to get the victory, which was the smart way to do it Uh, He was active in his in the guard and active in top position He was always trying to advance. He really had to battle through adversity And he was undefeated coming in. He's like this hotshot kind of guy that was heavily favored um, I feel like both guys. Like honestly, I wouldn't have been mad if he gave both guys a contract. Yeah. Like I just thought both yeah. guys in that men's flyweight division that's not overall very deep could use guys like this, and uh, so that's why I was happy with him getting a contract. Um, but I we got to talk about the elephant in the room here, Dom, and uh, yeah. that it, there is someone on the hot seat, and it's of course Yanni the Greek. <sighs> um, Yanni the Greek is having some historically bad betting uh weeks here to begin the the, the season. And I just gotta tell as a fellow better myself, uh, you agree, keep your head up. Um <laughs> we're in this together. Yes. Everything will be okay. I mean the broadcast, man. They were just making it worse too. They're like giving, they're like, "Oh, look, he hit on his bet." And it was like a minus three forty five favorite. I'm like, you know, Yanni is like, just shut the fuck up. Like I know I'm, like I know I'm not doing good. You know, they're like patronizing them. You know, yeah, yeah. So, all in all, Yanni Degreek, hot seat. That's what everybody's been talking about. And, I saw uh, that. Yeah, um, but in all seriousness, bone nickel. So. He, of course, was not given a contract by Dana White to everyone's surprise, but instead offered another spot come later in the season. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at this at face value, it's weird. It's very weird. You're like, okay, why put him on the show if you knew you weren't going to give him a contract because he's 2-0 or one yeah. Yeah, 2-0 now, 1-0 before. Like, why – like, he's done that before, if you remember, where – I forget who it was. Someone won a fight, and they were, like, 3-0 and or 4-0. And he said, oh, get a couple more wins and then come back. And it was like, well, yeah. why – But, like, he why said, bring it, his reason for not giving the contract was because he didn't have enough experience. It's like, well, why put him on the – I know Dana's yeah. not the one I'm like, assuming booking these cards, but it's like, but uh, – what? What? <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah. So Bo Nickel. So the reasoning was that Bo Nickel is only two and zero now. Um, and now it's I can't even like take credit for this being like an original take because everybody said it. It's pretty clear we're all being played a little bit that this is all <laughs> like a a pro wrestling like facade. Yeah, like, I love the Contender Series. I still love the Contender Series, but damn it, man, everything about this week. This card went against what Dana said last week. Yes. Which is yes. been so funny. Like, everything about, all oh, you do everything about, you know, it doesn't matter what you did before, it's what you do right now. I yep. don't know anything about these guys before they come in. They're all on equal playing field. Bullshit. Because, clearly, <laughs> Bo Nickel already has some sort of contract. Or he, and I'm not saying that he already has a UFC contract, but he, there is an understanding that Bo Nickel was going to come in here and wipe the floor with Zachary Borrego because Borrego was only 3-0, I think, in his own right yeah. and was like a plus 1,800 underdog. I mean, it was absolutely absurd that yeah. they would put that matchup together, but that's what's going to happen when Bo Nichols put on this show because he may already be a top-15 middleweight in the UFC. Like he's Isn't Zachary. that crazy? Yeah. The wrestling. He's a, th- a three-time national champion. I mean, he's absolutely insane. Yeah. But... With any other fighter, and I this might be similar to like a Greg Hardy contract, because like Greg Hardy got the same where he took a, like he got a contract, but it was to fight again on the contender. I think I, I don't remember how exactly. Yeah, what they
1: call them developmental deals is what they called them. I think. Yeah, which I guess
0: is a little different than what Bo Nick got. Yeah, at, but uh, basically, there have been plenty of guys. Caio Bahia, right? He mm-hmm. had to fight twice last season. Yeah. Dana offered him another. Well, I don't even know if that night when he won the first one, I don't know if he got offered another spot later in the season or if you know they just gave him one later. Let's say he did. Let's say he said, hey, we want to bring you back for another week on the show uh, for whatever reason. Kaio Bahio, in that, in that time frame between those two fights, Bellator or PFL could have dropped a bag that said, please come fight for us. You know, and then he would be like, "Well, I don't want to make twelve grand or whatever from when I can go make this much with mm-hmm. PFL or Bellator, so that he could just go." So you're trying to tell me that the UFC turned down Bo Nickel and said, "Hey, take another fight on the Contender Series where you're going to make, you know, twelve and twelve or whatever," and PFL and the Bellator aren't about to give this guy hundreds of thousand. I mean, this dude. Would be the best fighter in maybe either promotion right now.
1: Oh, this guy has Bellator like written all over him. In terms of like when yeah. they go and grab people to bring him up from yeah. the start, that's Bo
0: Nickel. Yeah, it's crazy that neither of these two promotions, and I'll even put in one in there. And I mean, any of these promotions, it is shocking that none of them tried to throw a bag at this guy. And maybe he was just gung ho on going to the UFC. You know, the best of the best and all that. True. And sure. he knew that over time it would pay off, and he would get the big bucks. But the UFC and Dana—they're trying to pretend like, well, playing hardball, like almost like, well, we're going to give him another fight on the contender, see if he's for real, and then we'll bring him in and give him a contract. Bullshit. He has a contract of some sort. It's, it's well, and he's there. likely
1: going to get a very similar opponent. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, like I mean, let's say some if, guy that's twenty. And if 0. he gets mollywob this next fight would be like they may be like well we're not giving him a contract but there's some sort of under like he cannot go sign with another promotion right now that's the reality
1: yeah
0: and if anybody says otherwise then i got this really fancy i got this really fancy oxygen i'd like to sell you you know so um i don't know it's uh it's very obvious what's going on if you know it's it's easy to just kind of get absorbed in the moment or just like not realize it in the moment just because you know he is only two and if you don't know much about Bo Nickel it's easy to be to kind of fall for it because he is only two and zero yeah. but you just have to understand the pedigree that he's coming into this with and how good he's looking that this guy is already maybe top fifteen maybe top ten middleweight in the UFC and. Um, the UFC is not going to let a guy like that, they're not going to leave it the chance for PFL or Bellator to come in here and swoop him away. So he's under right. contract. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. So I did see him fight again, though, for what it's worth. I mean, do you, do you, I'm at, I, I'm curious because you didn't really say earlier, I mean, do you tend to agree with that assessment or are you more in the belief of like uh, that, what Dana is saying is we should take it more at his word. Like what, where are you kind of falling on this one?
1: No, I mean, there has to be some sort of underlying thing we're not seeing here because I mean, most recent example, Alex Bahia. what was he two 0 He came in right into the UFC with a pedigree from glory kickboxing. Why can't Bo nickel at two and O with a three time <laughs> national champion true. wrestler, collegiate wrestler of the year in 2019, get a contract in the That's same division. True. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. This dude just, has I star think, potential, dude. This yeah, guy. I think they
0: want to pop the ratings again for Contender Series, and then yeah. he'll get this contract. And you know, it's not that big. Like, it's really not a big deal. Like, Bo no. Nichols not not upset by it. I mean, it's an understanding that they probably had. It's just very, um, it's just weird that they're trying to like pretend like that's not what it is. Because, I mean, I guess it'd be weird to admit that that's what's going on, but. It's just so obvious to me and to yeah. obviously a bunch of other people that there's something going on. It may not be exactly how I'm painting it here, but it's definitely like none of these other promotions have a chance to get him. He is signed in some form or fashion. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess that's it for the uh, for Dana White's contender series. Uh, hopefully me and Yanni Degree can have bounce back weeks <sighs> and we can get off that hot seat. Uh, let's move into some tidbits, though. We've not had any in a couple episodes. No, we haven't. And they really filled out here because we got a a stack and four for Uh y'all. So let's start with the biggest one. Caesar Cesar Gracie, coach of Nick and Nate Diaz, uh, he did an interview. This was the first time he's really spoke out about Nick Diaz and kind of all the shit that went down with UFC 266. You know, we had been wandering for months following that fight. Like what happened? Why did the weight get changed at the last thing? And why did Nick, his figure look after he had already gotten himself into great shape just a few months prior. Why did he all of a sudden look like more dad bod? Um, something just felt off about the whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And nobody had really been speaking about what was going on. Caesar Gracie has finally spoke out about um, all of it. And Dominic has not, does not know about this. I will be informing him along with any of you who have not read this because truthfully, it kind of just popped up on my timeline and I was like, holy shit. I'm like, this would have been a huge story if it was like two weeks after the fight.
1: Yeah. yeah. Cause
0: everybody was wondering, but I think Dom, because we're a year later, everybody's just kind of moved on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But to me, we're going to make this a big deal. We're going to really talk about what this means. If you really buy it, So essentially, what he said as a reason for kind of Nick Diaz's condition going into UFC 266, apparently he went into the fight with two ruptured discs in his neck, and with that was causing him numbness of the hands. So he wasn't able to train in the lead up to the fight again when it based on whenever the injury happened. So wasn't really able to train. That's what caused the weight change because of this condition of the numbness of the hands mixed with really not able to get himself into a decent shape Um, and you might ask well why didn't he pull out of the fight well Cesar Gracie explains that he felt like Nick pretty much had to take this fight due to money which is what we feared going Mm. in but it may not be because of his personal finances like in terms of you know him being in some sort of rough financial place it's because apparently the Nevada State Athletic Commission Is still seeking money that apparently they fined him for, for that egregious marijuana suspension they gave him like eight years ago. Do you remember that where they tried to suspend him for like, what was it? It was a five year suspension. Yeah. Five years. And then they overturned it, but the fine still stood. So Dominic, Nick Diaz was essentially pressured to continue fighting here as a means to pay off. This because apparently the UFC gave him a nice boost to the check so that he could actually walk away with some money here because I guess the way it was looking was he was going to fight for free basically because all that money was going to go to those outstanding fees. Um, but I guess to end it on a bit of an optimistic note, he said Nick Diaz will fight again in the UFC whether it be this year or next and he we will see a much more improved and better overall healthy version of Nick Diaz. So a lot of information there. I just read you. I'm curious how much do you buy all of this and does it really change anything about how your outlook on Nick Diaz's current career sits?
1: Yeah, that's pretty crazy both parts, but the injury itself, my grandpa actually just went through something like that with the disc in his neck and the numbness and he had to get surgery and he's in a neck brace yeah. now and everything. So that's a, that's crazy that he was going into a fight with that issue. And then to top it off with that stress, and you have all this shit from the Athletic Commission from a ridiculous fine and, um, and a suspension that should have never been as egregious as it was in the first place, especially now when you look at how they can't really get in trouble anymore for that. You know what I mean? So uh, that's just a whirlwind of emotions for a guy that is, for the most part, emotionless. But it really does make you think, these guys – you know, they come off as tough and even the Diaz brothers, the toughest of the tough, but they're people, man, at the end of the day. And I can't imagine the stress and the shit like mentally that he was probably going through going into that fight as well. So uh and, and to really still to put on the fight that he did, let us not forget it was a pretty fun scrap too. So yeah. that that's that's really such a shame. You shocked me. Those were all genuine reactions because I hadn't heard any of it yet. So I mean, I do buy it. I, I believe it. I have no reason not to believe it right now. It does make sense when you look at how he kind of showed up and the the changes last minute and just that he felt unmotivated even at, like, the press conference and whatnot. So, again, I I don't want him to feel like he has to fight again if he doesn't have to. I want him to want to fight. So hopefully all that shit has cleared. He's healthy now. The money and all that is situated, and if we can really get a Nick Diaz – in that physique that he was in, in great shape, I'm by all means full hands on deck for seeing him fight one more time.
0: That was a beautiful summary of everything I just told you. And I would agree about I would love to see if he if he wants to, I would love to see him get a chance to kind of bounce back from that and yeah. you know, go out on a high note, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I have no reason not to believe it, and we'll just leave it there. Next one. Bit of a sad day. Uriah Hall announced his retirement. Yeah, from MMA. Came out Bit of nowhere. Bit of a surprise. Bit of a surprise. Uh, he was coming off of that loss. Um, who did he just lose to?
1: Um, he had the decision loss to Strickland. I think that's his last you, fight, no, or did he have he one? Fought, he had the the jiu-jitsu. Oh, Andre specials. Muniz.
0: Yes, yeah. Andre Muniz. Thank you. Uh, pretty one-sided loss. Uh, showed some good submission defense, but overall, he had his back taken like all three rounds. Um, had that weird stuff afterwards where he posted on Instagram and was kind of like, yeah, kind of a I don't know. he kind of a sore loser was mm-hmm. was the takeaway, I guess. um and then he announces his retirement. So an interesting career for Uriah Hall. obviously, we would be lying if we acted like his career was you know, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it may not matter now because he's retired, so maybe we should for now just. You know, talk about the good things. To his credit, one of the biggest, uh, like, as far as, like, the Ultimate Fighter alumni. I mean, one, that guy probably got a bigger career boost from the Ultimate Fighter than almost anybody else in the history of that show. Yeah. Coming out of that show, people wanted him to immediately fight Anderson Silva. And Isn't that That crazy? just shows you how dangerous how scary he looked on that show. I mean, the knockout where, you know, again, there's like no fans really. So you hear that guy who got, he hit him Dude. with a spinning wheel kick and he falls down and he, oh, he's, it's, it's, it's hard scary. to watch. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, we have to talk about what his UFC career really turned into. And it was kind of a series of disappointments in a lot of ways. So, uh, Dominic, you know, when you kind of look at Uriah Hall's career as a whole, you know what what sort of stands out to you is there any sort of fight any anything in particular is it the fact that he is a, his career is a bit disappointing more of what sticks out
1: I know it's a shame right but it it has to be that this guy was physically just such a freak gifted at what he could do and all that hype that Noah mentioned coming out of the ultimate fighter and that insane viral knockout but he never did quite live up to it in the UFC. He had his share of ups and downs. He had good moments. He had really bad moments. He finished, obviously, with that two-loss skid. No, if I'm not mistaken, well, technically his last win was Chris Weidman, but if you really want to look at it, no, his last win is against the Spider-Anderson Silva, but in a totally different time and place. So, unfortunately, the last good memory I have of eye Hall is when he beat my favorite fighter of all time, but... Really, he was a joy to watch because when he was on, he was on. So he was a special talent. It is a shame we never got to see him live up to, I don't even want to say potential, but I do want to use the word hype that he was given. And really, that kind of just shows the slippery slope, like how all of this pressure and whatnot that fans and the, the eyes of the media can mm-hmm. place on a fighter that's a lot man and just because they look so good that is just so much you, it's almost like you put too much hype too much expectation on a fighter and you can only expect so much from these guys at the end of the day you have to be a truly like you know top dog one of the best of the best to exceed those expectations so a good career fought a lot of tough competition my hats off to Ryhall
0: mm-hmm. next one to make it a little more positive congratulations to Terrence McKinney and his uh, significant other, they had their baby. I don't know if that was today or yesterday, but yeah, shout out to T-Rex, man. I mean, I, I just love Terrence McKinney, and he did an interview on the MMA Hour while in yeah uh, <laughs> yeah in the hospital room. So that was uh, that was hilarious, uh, but that was awesome, man. They put some pictures online. He's like crying, you know. You just God, I just want to. Root. I root for him so hard. Like, I just can't. You can't not root for Terrence McKinney, right? I know, I mean, man. You may, depend on if he's fighting your favorite fighter, like if he fought Patty Pimbler or whatever, you may root against him to lose. But at the same time, you're also kind of like, well, but if he wins, I'm going to feel pretty good for him. You know what I mean? So. Yeah,
1: the, the guy's story is unreal, and his octagon time
0: is insane as well. So. Yeah. And the last one, UFC 283, was officially announced to be heading to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in January 2023. So I think that definitely kind of puts a lay of the land into perspective come the rest of the year and beginning next year as far as what kind of fights we could be getting for those end-of-the-year cards in January now. I mean, I definitely think that Davis and Figueredo, Brandon Moreno fourth fight is likely going to be on that January card. And hell, Dom... I was expecting it to be in Madison Square Garden, but I actually think the rematch between Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prohaska might be in Brazil as well. And I think that's kind of, uh, I think that's the way it should be. I think Glover Teixeira deserves it. Um, I did see our friends, were talking about Amanda Nunes, maybe her, and if they do Juliana Pena a third time, or if they do her and Valentina, you could do it there, so... There's some great options for Brazil, and I'm just glad to see the UFC going back there. It's uh, been a staple for a long time for the UFC.
1: And I I just got to throw one more thing out there because I didn't see it in the group chat, and I didn't think about it until just now, or I would have said it. Jose Aldo fights very soon, though, and should he win, he likely will get a title fight. Imagine the scenes if the King of Rio returns there in January and potentially fights for a belt. I know it would be a quick turnaround, right? The title's getting defended in October. But I'm just saying the UFC would definitely push for it if they could. So we'll see what happens. I'm glad that they're going back to Brazil. It's been a long time coming. We've heard about it for months. Now we're getting it. On top of it, they're getting UFC Fight Pass. That was part of the announcement. UFC Fight Pass is coming to Brazil. Oh, and by the way, at the very end of the video, Dana's like, yeah, also we're having UFC 283 in Brazil too. So just so you know, it was
0: fun. Shows where the priorities are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I will also mention, I would love to see the trilogy between Andrade and Rose Namajunas in Brazil. That's where their first fight was, I believe, uh, for the title when Andrade slammed Rose on her head. So. I would love to see the trilogy. It started there. I'd like to see it in there too. So that'd be a great fight. Um, yes. But that's it for the tidbits. Let's move on to some fight announcements. We got a, only a couple here, both for Bellator 286. Looking like it's going to be a very good card on October 1st. This is, of course, the card headlined by Patricio Pitbull and Adam Boric, co main Spike Carlisle and AJ McKee. No, AJ McKee and Spike Carlisle. And now we have our other two fights for that main card. Aaron Pico and Jeremy Kennedy. This is a fight, of course, being rebooked. I know Jeremy Kennedy fell out uh, previously. And then you got Juan Archuleta and Enrique Barzola, two guys who lost their fights in the Grand Prix, but both exciting fighters. So I actually think I'm more excited for that fight, even though I, you know how I feel about Aaron Pico. You know, I just yeah. I love watching him fight. But I think that Archuleta-Barzola fight has some has violence written all over it. So what do you think of these two? Which one's kind of sticking out to you?
1: No, I copy and paste what you say. Both are bangers, but you got to look at Archuleta and Barzola. I mean, again, when they were in the Grand Prix, they got put out. But they're still right there, you know, number 10 versus number 3. A win still goes a long way, especially for the former champ. But even Barzola, who's never gotten all the way up there to those top contenders, Pico Jeremy Kennedy is just going to be a super fun fight, if I yeah. do say so myself. Aaron Pico's never been in a boring fight. He's getting a top ranked guy. We've not seen him fight too many of those opportunities, yeah. so it's still lots of pressure on Pico. But if he passes again, he's got to be right there now for the title. Got to be.
0: That's true, especially when you have AJ McKee going up a weight class that opens up a spot forward for pretty much everybody behind him. So yeah, um, p- perhaps that fight's being put on here. Uh, in case for a reason, it falls out, maybe or yeah, just to set that, get them on the same timetable so the winners can fight, you know, absolutely time. that would make sense. Uh, but we'll get on into the rest now, and we're going to start back with Bellator 284. Got some more fights to talk about on that card. The coming event at heavyweight, Valentin Moldovsky coming off of his losing bid for the heavyweight title against Ryan Bader to begin our year for Bellator. He's looking to bounce back here but Dominic it's not going to be easy. He's going up against perhaps the best prospect in the Bellator heavyweight division, Steve Mowry. We don't get a ton of big prospects in Bellator heavyweight division. Yeah. Bellator's heavyweight division's not been the strongest. Actually, Valentin Boldovsky has been kind of the bright spot in the last couple years in terms of a guy who, you know, wasn't way past his prime, who showed some potential. But it's so interesting for Moldovsky. He's a big guy, but Dominic—he's a decision machine, which is not exactly something you see a lot at heavyweight. Um, doesn't have a ton of finishes on his record. Only one KO, TKO. That kind of surprised me. I know he's more of a more of a wrestler, but um, going up against Steve Mowry, who just—I mean—ten wins, ten finishes. Yep. Um, six foot eight. Just again massive. He feels like a more polished version of Hinden Ferreira, if I had to compare from what I said earlier. Complete behemoth. Um, How much of an uphill battle is this for for Moldovsky? He actually is the favorite, though, coming in, which is kind of surprising to me, if I'm being honest with you.
1: Yeah, as you see down there scrolling, nearly a 2-1 to favorite over number 5, Steve Mowry. But, you know, and to Noah's point about Valentin Moldovsky, five straight fights have gone the distance. You kind of just have grown to know. What you're going to see from Moldovsky, right? He's a great fighter. He's a great talent, but it's nothing crazy. It's nothing too awe inspiring, that impressive. Steve Mowry, obviously the lesser known guy, even to us two, sitting at number five, undefeated 6 0 in Bellator, 100% finish rate, seven in the first round at six foot eight, giant. All the excitement on my end as a fan is toward the Steve Mowry side. I'm very much looking forward to see if he can beat Moldovsky, if he can finish. What a statement to be had. If you didn't know about him before, including, yes, I'm talking to you, Dominic. I'm talking to myself here. You're going to know about him come Friday night if he gets that win. I have lots to look forward to in that fight right there. Very excited.
0: Yeah, it's clearly a big test, but I'm excited to see if he can pass it because if so, this dude might be a real problem. Yes, yes. Next up, we got Alimale McFarlane back, the inaugural women's flyweight champion for Bellator. Her career has taken a turn for the worst, if I, if I could be so bold, over the last year or so. She loses her title in the first Bellator fight that we watched together up in Bowling Green <laughs> to Juliana Velasquez after being a pretty long champion for them, someone mm-hmm. who was one of their biggest stars, I guess, yep. a homegrown talent in a lot of ways for Bellator. Follows that up, they try to give her a gimme fight against Justine Kish, who was one of those UFC washouts who kind of didn't do too much there. And then Justine Kish beats her. Yep. So, and fighting on this card too. Yeah, and fighting in the prelims. So <laughs> Justine <laughs> Kish now ranked number seven. Uh Ali Malay McFarlane still ranked in front of her. It doesn't make any sense. And make there, it make sense, yeah. Yeah. But that's back to back losses for Ali Malay McFarland. She is going up against Bruna Ellen, so it's like they're giving her another step back, if I'm being honest. That's how it feels. Uh, she's 6-3. and three, She's 26 years old. They have, um, if I remember right, they have two, um, not to do MMA math, but they have two like opponents. So they both mm-hmm. have losses to Juliana Velasquez. And they also both have wins over Vita Ortega. Now, Lee finished Ortega, you know, Ellen went to the distance. They both lost via decision to Velasquez. I don't think that really says anything. I mean, look, guys, we get it. Aleem Lay McFarlane probably should win this fight. But she's only at minus 150. And I think that's because we just don't know how much she has left, Dom. She's 32 years old. In theory, she should have plenty left. But I think the fear is the game may have passed her by. It seems like there's always that point right where the tide turns, where the, you have to, uh, where the old meets the new, the new takeover, you know, you look at the UFC version of this, like Amanda Nunes, UFC 200, right. Where she smashes through Mm -hmm. Misha Tate, follows that up with that knockout of Ronda Rousey. Uh, it just seemed like the new guard had taken over and you just, you know, you see that in all the way, like now Valentina Shevchenko and stuff. And, um, even Rose dethroning Joanna, like these, mm-hmm. these fighters who dominated at the beginning of women's MMA for their promotions, you know, Bellator a little later to the game on that. And they kind of, you see these new waves come over, these new generations and these fighters that were really good at their time, they just become very dated very quickly. Is that what you fear is happening with the Lee McFarland? Or is it just a couple bad performances, and we might see her get right back to business here and perhaps make another run towards the Bellator title?
1: I think that question gets answered firmly on Friday because I Mm -hmm. feel like I could see her, like that latter part, fading out. Maybe just her time has passed. She was the champ, had a few defenses, a long-running champ. Uh, But now this new guard is coming up. Not that Justine Kish is like some new fighter. She's been doing it for years. But when you look at Bruna Ellen, 26 years old, six years younger than Alimale. Uh, Yes, less experience. But I I have to make this a point too. Alimale coming off two back-to-back unanimous decision losses. Obviously, we talked about the losing streak. All seven of Bruna Ellen's fights have gone the distance in Bellator. So you just have to imagine, should the fight get into the second, into that third round, maybe you do lean the younger up-and-coming fighter in Bruna Ellen. And obviously, should she win, Alimale will probably just jump back one spot and Bruna will be like number 12. It just won't make (laughs) sense. But I really do think she's fighting. If Alimale loses this, all title aspirations are probably gone for her and Bellator. Should she win, she will keep herself there due to obviously getting back in the win column, but her name value will keep her steadfast for potential title shot in the future, not necessarily after one win, but I think a, a lot riding on her, a lot of pressure.
0: Oh, there's a lot of pressure here. I mean, if she yep. loses this one, it feels like the nail in the coffin, if I'm being honest, because yeah. they're really trying to give her face. Yes, that's matches. exactly what they're doing. Yeah. So, like, this isn't, you know, if this was a, you know, like, like, Joanna at the end was losing more than she was winning, but she was fighting the best in the world. So yeah. It's like, yeah. you always knew that she... If she was fighting someone ranked number fifteen in the division, she's probably smoking them. But right, right. she wants to fight in all these title fights, fight for title eliminating bouts, and yeah. she lost a few. And that's that's just it showed that she wasn't maybe the, the at her peak anymore, but she was still like one of the best in the world. Yeah. Lee Malay McFarland is losing to people that are supposed to be well below her caliber. Yeah, Justine Kish, Bellator, I don't think had any inkling was going to be a ranked fighter for them. Right. I really don't. I know she had UFC experience, but didn't do very well there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very concerned for Alima Lee McFarland in this fight. Rightfully so. Yeah, she should win this. But if she looks, if it's dull, if she doesn't look good, to me that says almost as much as if she loses. Like it's... true. I think she really needs to... She needs to inject some life into this career of hers that she's still trying to... Kind of get back on track. I mean, that last fight, Dom, that was in her home of Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And she, I mean, yeah, thoroughly just beaten for three rounds. Yeah. So, a lot of pressure. I don't envy the situation, but I do fear. I'm not saying Bruna Ellen is going to be, like, the future of this division, but I do fear that the game has just passed her by. I mean, I think we always kind of looked at Alima Malay like she was very talented, But it it was always clear like some Bellator champions you look at and you go, Oh, like um Patricia Pitbull or AJ McKee or you know, even maybe I don't know, Vadim Nemkov slash Corey Anderson. You know, like you look at these guys and you go, Oh, they could really compete perhaps for a UFC title. I never felt that way with the Lee Malay McFarlane. I mean, especially once Valentina Shevchenko became the champion at one twenty five. Like even Adeline Millet's best, I didn't think she stood a chance to be a champion in the UFC. So yeah, fair. It, it feels a little bit like she was the best when the talent wasn't at a very competitive level. And now mm-hmm. that it's catching up, seems like she is falling behind. I agree. I agree. But I hope she proves me wrong. And I will say so on here if she does. Because she's totally capable of uh, turning back the clock. Mm-hmm. Last one. For Austin Bellator. Vanderford. Yes, for Bellator. Austin Vanderford also looking to bounce back from a title losing performance. His a bit more substantial against Gegard Musasi, who's since been dethroned by Johnny Eblen. And uh, that was a pretty thorough minute and a half beating that uh, Austin Vanderford took in his shot for the title. He's taking on Aaron Jeffrey, who's getting his biggest chance in Bellator to really make a splash here. He's been looking pretty good for Bellator. Back-to-back wins. Um, last one via TKO. But he's most known to the UF, to people who watch MMA. He's most known for his bat two losses on the Contender Series, you know. He is that guy that's kind of... Like, he feels like he's capable of doing some things here in Bellator. I don't love, again, the matchmaking, because I do think Aaron Jeffrey could be... Yeah. Like, if you really gave him a chance to kind of work his way up, I feel like he could maybe be a pretty reliable guy for Bellator. I mean, he's fought some good opponents. You know, Colin Huckbody was a name that I remember talking about a long time ago. He has a win over him, a win over Andre Petrosky. Who that's a great was, win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a finished win, TKO win over yeah. him. Yeah. Um, so he it feels like a guy that's capable of doing some good things. Maybe even being a real threat here in Bellator, but I I hate the matchmaking. Like I feel like yeah, again they're 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 trying to give Austin Banderford a bounce back win, and I and I get in boxing this is very common. I don't like it. I just look in MMA. Austin Banderford is a top level guy. He should be fighting top level guys. Yeah. And if he's not going to fight top level guys, then the rankings should. I guess. Uh, represent that, like start dropping them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, I, I do think it's a competitive fight. More so, I don't know what the odds say because I didn't look, pay attention when they came by. But like, I do think Aaron Jeffrey could be a. a I'm assuming he's an underdog. He could be a reliable yeah. dog here. Yeah. But I just again, I feel like they're. I don't know. Maybe they don't know what they have in Aaron Jeffrey, perhaps.
1: Yeah, Austin minus 182. Aaron Jeffrey plus 150 on the comeback, but. Mm -hmm. Two, like your point, when you say that the matchmaking you don't like, especially for Aaron Jeffrey, because this is someone that you feel like could be built up. I mean, the guy's 12-3, and um, coming off two back-to-back good wins. Why not give him the chance to build up? Instead, you're throwing him into the wolves, the number two Austin Vanderford. But it works on the other side of the coin, too, because it's clear Bellator has wanted to push Austin Vanderford. Very clear. But what if Aaron Jeffrey all of a sudden just comes in and uh, upsets him? Then everything, all the balls you had in the basket of Austin Vanderford are gone. And I guess yes you could say, oh well, just pass it on to Aaron Jeffrey, but I just feel like this is one of those guys Bellator wants to be the champion so bad. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why they are setting this matchup up for him to get an easy win quote unquote. but it's not quite that easy and I think it just throw a big wrench. Aaron Jeffrey could throw a big wrench in the plans of Bellator just potentially there. So. Imagine
0: you get Justine Kish beating Lay McFarland, and then she ends up, you know, ranked behind her. Yeah. Aaron Jeffrey here beating Austin Vanderford, and they rank him behind Austin. Well, they will. And then but... Spike Carlisle pulling off the impossible. You already said this one, damn it. And the upsetting A.J. McKee, and they rank him behind McKee. I mean, and, and McKee's not even ranked at lightweight yet. Like Spike Carlisle would beat him and not get a ranking. they be like, yeah. well, he didn't beat a ranked fighter, so. Right.
1: The impossible no on Spike. Come on, man!
0: Impossible.
1: I'm gonna have to I'll, bet I'll be on cur- him just I'll because be of curious
0: that. I wanna see what the odds are gonna be. I know, I know. I know. I did see the poster with him on it, and I was like, man, it does. That's our guy right there, Spike Carlisle. Like Fucking a... Spike. Woo. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we're gonna move on to UFC San Diego. San Diego, which of course in German means a whale's vagina. Anyways, the co-main event, Nate Landwehr, Ooh, one of my favorite Coast guys. He chose on this one. One of my favorite guys in Nate Landwehr is taking on one of Dom's favorite guys in David Onama, Worlds Collide, Dom. Oh, man. What are you expecting this fight? I mean, in all seriousness, like, David Onama... Should and presumably is the favorite. I, again, I didn't look at the odds. on Nate Yeah, he's minus two ninety. Yeah, see, like he he feels like he should be a pretty decent favorite. Man, if Nate Landwehr puts it all together, he, he is could. so talented. The problem yeah. is, man, he gets so wild and crazy that he gets caught. That's been his. That's been the thing that's happened in multiple times in the UFC. I remember Herbert Burns nasty knockout of him. Um, David Onama is going to find that chin if he performs like that. I mean, David Onama is just, an he's exceptional. And to me, this fight, though, for as long as it lasts, I'm excited to watch it because I just think both guys are coming in here ready to kill.
1: Yeah, there's no, there's... There is no way,
0: and The Rock means
1: no way that this fight is going to be boring. Absolutely no shot. I'm putting it out there all on the line. You know how these statements go on our show sometimes. Mm-hmm. This is such a sick fight. I'm War Onama all the way, but I know Nate Landwehr is a dog. He's going to bring the fight. David Onama can get hit, but if he just fights it smart, man, he is so technically good, and he saw the improvement, or not even improvements, but we saw him on the ground for the first time, and the wizard that he is down there too that you wouldn't mm-hmm. expect don't blink, guys. They, they put this fight in the co-main event slot. The co-main event slot of UFC San Diego for a reason. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait.
0: And, and I think it's a good thing that the UFC moved this card around a little bit because this should be the co-main event of the
1: card. I agree. It, honestly, like, well, there's a lot of good fights on the card, but this has potential, like over all the others, to be a fight of the night candidate. And you're putting it in that co-main slot. I would uh,
0: agree, but I don't think it's going to last long enough. Exactly, so you know. exactly. <laughs> um, next one. This I, also I think sick this fight. Is a highly slept-on fight here. <laughs> yes, two proven guys, and they both have a clear advantage on the other. You got Bruno Silva, never been in a boring fight, loves to swing and bang himself, and he's taking on GM3 Gerald Meerchart, the submission specialist. Dude, um the stats by is crazy. is incredible. But yeah, tell me the stats. I want to hear him. What are the stats? Well, I guess I'm
1: gonna start with GM3 because that's when I said it. Guys, he has thirty-four wins in his career. Thirty-two of them are by finish, twenty-six of those by submission. On the flip side, Bruno Silva twenty two wins, nineteen by knockout. Are you kidding me? You want to talk about worlds colliding. This is the striker versus the grappler. Come on, man. Come on, man, and, Noah.
0: You know what's 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 kind of crazy is I think that this is a great fight. Um but like I said, clear advantages over the other here. Like both yep. guys have that clear advantage. But weirdly enough, when you go to the numbers like to the the their records and break them down, it does it, it it you seem to find a clear favorite here. Again, I don't know the odds, but I think is Gerald chart the favorite in this fight.
1: No, Bruno Silva's minus 290.
0: <laughs> okay, so obviously I don't know odds at all. Bruno Silva has five of his seven losses via submission, yeah. while Gerald Meerchart Gerald has only lost three of his 15 times via KOTKO. I don't say that to say that that's like a clear reason Meerchart should be a favorite or something. I think Bruno Silva is like, he's doing some great stuff in UFC. He's great. He, yeah looked really good against Alex Pereira. Look at what Pereira just did to Sean Strickland. Yeah. And then look at how Bruno Silva fight him. Tit for tat for, for three rounds. rounds. Yeah. I mean, he got beat up, but, I mean, he took it in stride, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I really don't know who's going to win. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't think it's going to go to the distance. I think this no. is another one of those fights where the, the styles clash so much, something's got to get. Someone's yeah. got to get the upper hand and they're likely going night-night or they're tapping out.
1: Yeah, and how many times have we seen GM3 down on the cards and much like our friend of the show, Paul Craig, he'll pull a submission right out of his ass and, and get the win. I mean, this is a guy that got knocked out twice in 2020, one of them being to the Hamzat in 17 seconds. Came back in 2021, low-key, one of the comeback fighters of the year, went 3-0 and last year, man. So I think this is going to be a very good fight again. For how long it lasts, I do not know.
0: Well, let's continue on because the lighting in my room's getting. Very I love dark.
1: the co- over the course of the episode, it just gets darker and darker. I know, I
0: that, you know when that happens, that's because I forgot to turn on my light. It's yeah. right there. I, can, yeah. I can't reach it. It's Your just, sign is like glowing in the background, though. Yeah, and I mean, I'm looking like Casper over here, like the my skin tone compared to my shirt that's dark. Like it's just it's it's a mess. All right, last one. last one. Women's oh, and I love it, Angela Hill taking on Lupe Godinez. We know the potential of Lupe Godinez, the former strawweight champion, right, for um, LFA. LFA. And while Angela Hill has been a complete mainstay for the UFC, uh, never forget when Dominic got mad at me when he was doing his nitty-gritty of her fight way back when she fought Michelle Watterson. Uh, he did his math wrong. Um, I do want to let you know, Dom, she's 13-12, and 8-12 and 12 in the UFC. That does add up. Um, All right, All right. But... Lupi Godinez is only 3-2 in the UFC, so for the potential, she's also faced some adversity. Um, She's not been perfect. Angela Hill has certainly not been perfect. She's 8-12 in the UFC, Dom. I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked you. I think every time Angela Hill's fought since we've done this show, how much of a must-win is this for her, for her career? We know that she's good. Like, we know that she's better than her record. But at the end of the day, if you don't win, like how long before you really just have to win a fight to stay around? Because she's lost four or five. Her only win was to Ashley Yoder. I mean, obviously a couple of these losses are so close, and yeah. she's like the queen of getting screwed on decisions. Yeah. But does that really play a factor? Or like is she really fighting for her career here?
1: I think this one she actually is. She's lost three in a row, all via decision. Again, some of them close, yes. But you're 8-12 and 12 in the UFC, a loss here. Already at number 13 against an unranked opponent, although be it an, a fantastic prospect, I think she truly is fighting for her career. And I thought that when I was taking my notes this morning. I think if she loses, it might unfortunately be the end of the road for Angelia, or Angela Overkill Hill, um, as fun of a fighter as she is. But guys, Lupi Godinez... Future title contender. Future, yes. I'm so serious on this because when she has a camp, she's on. She's so damn good, guys. Those two losses on short notice, one of them even at 125 pounds, and she went tit for tat in both of those for three rounds. When this woman is on and has a camp behind her, she is a problem, and I think she's going to show it on Saturday night. But it is by far the biggest test of her career so i can't wait to see how she plans to go about it because angela hill is no slouch at all
0: i respect the call out there i respect yeah. you calling your shot you pointing to the fence yeah you're going for it you've only done that a couple times david onama most notably yeah and that seems to be working out for you you did that when he was zero one in the ufc said he was your best the best prospect in the company i mean yeah the force yeah, i mean well th-
1: i mean this the beauty of this by the way my favorite male prospect and my favorite female prospect are here on the same card and just so everybody knows because we don't do the betting show on the previews anymore they will be parlayed together anyways Ooh. i'm so excited for this card dominic's
0: future parlay or the future parlay uh, you get what i'm saying like right. i like naming the parlays occasionally anyways that's it for the rest. It's getting awfully dark in here. <laughs> I, I hate the way this looks. I love the sign. The, sign's the sign looks sick. <laughs> um, I do want to remind everyone, though, this is normally in the show where we have our below average bet slip. We announced a week ago that due to just some factors out of our control, a.k.a. <laughs> Sprint officially got completely absorbed into T-Mobile, and now I get absolute zero connection at work. We have we cannot really do our bet slip and talk about it during the previews. We don't really have the bets ready. Like right now we just don't have them ready. Yeah. Like after this is when I'm really going to go and dig deep and try to find everything because they don't uh, – DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, none of them are posting like – the prop bets and everything that we really dig into until at the earliest like lunchtime on wednesday yeah and that's so, a, they they're just not consistent you know they're not consistent and i mean that would be okay if like it's just an occasional right off we don't do it but to me it's just becoming a really hard yeah. to even give myself enough time to put a good amount of time into like and thought into these bets and we need that fun. and that's what i'm going to blame all my l's on i mean maybe absolutely that's what, maybe that's what yanni the greek is going through i don't know but um regardless because of that it's really important you guys follow us on social media so twitter the instagram at bha underscore mma podcast even follow us on tiktok you may not see any bets on there but who knows dominic's a wild man he's a wild card true he likes to dance with the devil like i said he might do something <laughs> on there yeah but. <laughs> But if you go and follow us on there, we will be posting, of course, our bet slips or our bets for the week. uh, Friday, Um, there may be some plans in the future for us to put some videos on there where we kind of explain them like we used to on here. Mm -hmm. But for now, while we do Thursday previews, that's the way it's just going to have to be. So we will still, of course, like we did last Monday, we will go into detail on Monday, like everything that happened, you know, the results and all that. But um just got to follow us on there to, uh, to find it. And what else was I supposed to plug right here? There was something.
1: Uh, Verbal sparring?
0: Yeah, that's right. I forgot to finish what I was typing. It just says plug. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm like, plug what? <laughs> what Butt plug? <clears throat> um, well, anyways. San Diego. San Diego. Which, of course, in German means a whale's vagina. I just had to do it one more time. Of course. uh, I think that's
1: five, and I have to go back and find all of them. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's true. Tough tough work. (laughs) Um, So we do have an off week coming up where the UFC will not be having an event bellator and pfl deciding not to be smart and put an event on that day i actually think is that the weekend the first one fc it is one so we do have that but we probably won't preview it we'll just talk about it
1: unless um, there's like a crazy amount of news because we we don't want to just preview one fight we want to have a full episode you know what i mean
0: yeah i completely agree um so we will be giving you guys content though that week and i want you all to get excited We're not going to tell you everything that's in the works, but there's some stuff in the works. It's a brewing. Yes. But we will mention Verbal Sparring, the second of the renamed Verbal Sparring, formerly Reddit Roundtable. Yeah. We'll be back for that weekend. If you would like to have your question answered on the show. Yes. You can DM us, message us, on Twitter, Instagram, I mentioned our below-average Joe's Twitter, Instagram. You can do it there. You can do it on our personals. Dominic at diesley14, me at nt baker underscore. Um, you can also record, yeah. a voice message. We haven't we haven't plugged that in a while, but uh, both of our bios. Um, I believe it's still in your bio, right? Or is it still? Yeah, it now just it's
1: the on link? there. Okay. Um, it's at the bottom of the link tree. It takes you
0: to the link tree at the very bottom of the link tree. There's a link there. That takes you to our Anchor page. Shout out to Anchor. Yes. And there you can record up to 60 seconds of voice message, get your question, and we can feature it on the show. Is there a way for you if someone were to like send you like a video on TikTok, like could you feature it on the show? Oh, like absolutely. Questions? Please do. So yeah. I don't know TikTok, but if you message Dom like you could do if you want to have your face on video, if you want to do something fucking stupid in the background, don't show your dick. We won't show that. But anything Only else yeah exactly anything else Santiago. Diego anyways uh, anything else and um, here we will feature it on the show so uh, yeah let's, let's get into the ending of the show because I am literally I can't could, see you anymore it cannot get darker in this room <laughs> we don't end it any other way though closing statements the only way we ended around here to point the show me and Dom can talk about anything and everything MMA included or not? So Dominic, yeah. Any closing statements for this Thursday edition of the show?
1: I'm gonna keep this short and sweet because I can't physically see Noah anymore on this uh, <laughs> box on my screen. Bagel bites or pizza rolls? Quick backstory: used to be a big pizza roll guy as a kid through high school, but I'm telling you, much like the whole shoestring shoot. Bleh, bleh, shoestring thing from last week or not last week on monday when i transitioned into college i swear bagel bites overtook Pete's rolls and i'm team bagel bites all the way now i don't know how you feel noah let me know and audience please it's a dire question let me know
0: i hope you're fucking high when you're saying that i mean what in <laughs> what kind of blasphemous state you come on here i said you can talk about anything and you come on here and say that yeah. bagel bites over pizza rolls. You've said a lot of, just I have idiotic, yeah, you know, just wretched things. Yeah, keep going. Hot takes, yeah, shake and bakes. I mean, right. you've, you've you've said a lot of doozies. Mm-hmm. That might be the worst thing you've ever said. Joe's. So, for my closing statement, <laughs> no, I want to go ahead and go ahead. What's your call to the Joey community? What, what Joe,
1: Joey community, don't let me down.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we got them. Um, I don't know why I thought of that, but uh, you don't have to put the clip in there, Dom. Okay, because I, I, I have, have it on my time. I have Dom doing a lot of work here yeah. <laughs> on the clips. Uh, so, I, I'll, I'll save. I'll say, well, I think I, uh, I might have one more, but. Closing statements. Do I have anything today? I mean, guys, I'm gonna keep this simple because it's getting really dark in here. I'm (laughs) getting scared. Um, Ohio should have gotten a second card before San Diego. From the entire Channel Four News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone, and I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salih. We're the Blue Average Joes. And we'll see you next time.